All right, good morning, Faith Covenant Church. I am so glad you are here with us today. My name is Kara Harris. I'm the Director of Student Ministry, and I am so glad you are here. And I don't say that by accident because we are Faith Covenant Church, so wherever you are, there is Faith Cove. You don't have to be in this building. It's been a weird week. It's been a crazy week. And actually, all week long, I've been working on this sermon about transformation, uh, being transformed by love. And this week, I've kind of seen my world transformed. This week looks a lot different than last week did. We have about seven people living in our house right now. Four of them are involved in sports. I have another one who's coaching. And last Monday, I was sitting down trying to figure out our schedule for this Monday. And I have four different people who need to be in four different places and a kid who needs to be picked up at the airport. And I just, I was trying, and I was supposed to be someplace else. And I didn't know how I was going to make everything work. And transformation happened. And suddenly, my schedule has opened wide up. So the chaos has ended a bit. Um, traded in for a different type of, of chaos. Uh, but part of that transformation has been hard, too. You know, there, there's been, been fear. Uh, we've, we've had this choice. We can embrace the fear. We can continue in denial. We can embrace change. We can be upset about it. I know in our house, there are some worries Will our exchange student need to go home early? We don't know yet. This is my son's senior year. There are definitely things we've been looking forward tied to that that we're just not sure are going to happen now. But here's the thing. Even though it's starting to feel maybe a little bit like crisis, this is not the first time the world's been in crisis. I just in my lifetime, I look May 18th, 1980, when Mount St. Helens blew. Even though I was young, I remember all the hubbub around that. Right? I remember the day I brought my daughter home from the hospital, and I, and I saw on TV a kid jumping out of the high school library at Columbine High School. It felt very much like crisis. And I remember being nine months pregnant with my son and watching the Twin Towers fall. That felt like crisis. And you know what? The world has moved on each time. And we discover our hope and our peace within those places because we have Jesus. And I think back, we're, we're in this period of Lent, and I think on our Easter story, which for us as Christians feels like hope and joy. Right? That's where we get our salvation from, is this Easter story. But I think about the disciples, and I think about Jesus' followers during that time, and I cannot imagine the feelings they had, how much they felt like their world was in crisis. And as Jesus is in the upper room, as he's preparing, trying to prepare his disciples for what's about to happen, he looks at Peter and he says, Hey, Peter, you are going to end up denying me three times tonight before the rooster crows. 
And I can't imagine what Peter was thinking. He had just told Jesus, you're the Messiah. And God, Jesus had said, yeah, God told you that. And now Jesus was saying, yeah, but you're going to deny me. And I can't imagine what that would be like to have Jesus look you in the eye and say that. And you're sure you're not going to do it. But the night moves on. They end up in the garden. Jesus is praying. He's arrested. He's taken to the home of a Jewish leader where he's put on trial. And, and Peter follows. And he's in the courtyard of the home. And this girl comes up and, hey, hey, isn't that one of his followers? And Peter's like, no. And then another man, hey, you're one of his, aren't you? No, not me. Finally, another man comes up. Hey, I know you. You're a Galilean. You're one of Jesus's guys. I am not. And then it happens. He looks at Jesus. Jesus looks at him. And the rooster crows. And he knows he has just failed. And he leaves weeping bitterly. I don't know exactly how Peter felt in that moment, but I can only imagine the sense of shame and the sense of failure that must have washed over him. There he had been, one of the 12, one of the three, the inner circle of Jesus, and he had just turned his back on him. He had given in to the fear. He had lacked confidence. And Jesus saw him. Jesus knew, and he knew Jesus knew. What do we do when we face our fears? How do we work so that we don't let them overcome us? And maybe for some people it feels like even doing this online is making, making it so that our fear is overcoming us. For others, you're just enjoying your pajamas and your cup of coffee. And if you're having pancakes, will you please save some for me? I'll pick them up on your front porch. Um, <laughs> But time, time passed. Jesus raises, raises from the dead. He, he sees his disciple a couple, disciples a couple times. And then Peter and a couple of his buddies, they're sitting on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And Peter's like, you know what, guys? I'm going fishing. And they're like, cool, we'll come. So they hop in the boat, they go out to fish, and they're fishing all night long, and and there's this guy on the shore, and he's like, hey, you, you caught anything yet? Nope. Why, why don't you put that net on the other side of your boat? So they throw their net in the other side of the boat, and pretty soon their haul is so big, they're struggling to pull it in. And that's when John goes up to Peter and says, hey, Peter, isn't that him? Isn't that Jesus? 
And Peter's completely overcome. He grabs his coat, he jumps into the water, he goes to shore, leaving his buddies back there to pull on the fish, what they did and got, they got to shore too. And I'm sure there were greetings. And, and here in John 22, 15 through 17, they've, they've sat down, they've, they've eaten their breakfast. After they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time, he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Here's what Peter got in this moment. After this moment of such failure and such shame in in Peter's denial, Jesus gave him an opportunity to know that there was still a place for Peter in the kingdom of God. Jesus still had work for him to do. We've been talking about soul care. Uh, we've, We've talked about contemplative Bible reading. We've talked about journaling. We've talked about fasting. This week, I'd like to talk about Sabbath. And and we find Sabbath in in the very beginning of the Bible when this concept of after God has worked to create for six days, he takes the seventh day and he rests. And then we find in the Ten Commandments, the command to take a Sabbath and make it holy. And I think that's an important piece of Sabbath, is that making it holy, making it a sacred space. Rest is a part of Sabbath. But making it holy means having an experience with God. It's much more than just believing it's God. It's experiencing God. That's how we make the Sabbath holy. I had an experience quite a few years ago. I've shared with with many people that I've struggled with depression through my life. And at one point in 2007, I kind of came up to this crisis point where I knew that I needed to change something, and I needed to change it right away. So I went into three weeks of some pretty intense counseling, and it was a really good experience. I gained a lot out of that, and through working with some really good counselors, the depression started to be relieved. And I, ex- I was experiencing new peace and a renewed hope. 
But I had this one issue, and I talked to one of my counselors about it. You see, even though I was feeling so much better, I had these trains of thoughts that kept going in the same old direction. And he very wisely talked to me in a picture story, because I like pictures more than words. But <laughs> he, he talked to me about the trail over Chilkoot Pass up in Alaska that the, uh, the miners would take. And you'll see pictures of it, and, and you'll see miners lined up going up this steep hill. And so many people passed over it for so long that that trail is still there, it's still engraved into the hillside. And he said, that's what your old thought patterns are like. You've gone, them, gone over them so many times that they're hardwired in. And you're going to have to take some time to bushwhack, to, to carve out a new trail, to carve out new trails of thought. And so I thought about that for a while, and then I found myself one day reading a book. And, and in this book, it talked about seeing God as our daddy. Not just our father, but as our daddy. And I thought, that feels weird. And then I read a little bit further, and it said, if that feels weird to you, pray about it. So I prayed about it. And I'm praying about it, and in my head, there's this side voice happening that doesn't feel like my own thoughts. And it says, go to the river. And I promptly said, no. I said, go to the river. But I'm comfortable on my couch. Go to the river. So... Living in Ording, we had the Puyallup River behind our neighborhood. So I hopped on my bike and I, I head out to the levee that's on the edge of the river. And I'm standing on the, level, uh, the, the levee of the river and I say, okay, I'm, I'm here now. Go down to the river. I don't want to go down to the river. Go down to the river. But if I go down to the river, I have to leave my... Go down to the river. Okay. So I go down to the river. I'm standing on the edge of the river. Put your feet in the river. I don't want to put my feet in the river. Don't you understand? My feet will get wet and then they'll be covered in sand and it'll be uncomfortable. Put your feet in the river. So I put my feet in the river and I looked upstream and I noticed that the storms over the past winter had changed the course of the river. And that's when that same voice said, if I'm strong enough to change the course of the river, I am strong enough to change the course of your thoughts. And immediately, my mind was brought down to my feet where the same water was rushing over my feet and it felt so velvety soft and it was so gentle. And I heard, that is how I am your daddy. Even though I am strong enough to change the course of river, I can gently wash your feet. My whole perspective of God changed that moment. I had always seen God as a God who used his strength on me and his grace for me. But in that moment, I experienced a God who used his strength for me and his grace on me. And all of that guilt and all of the shame and all of my failures and disappointments seemed to matter less because it wasn't about 
fixing it all, but it was about allowing God to do the work in and through me. Jesus ends his moment with Peter in Luke 21, 19 by saying, after this he said to him, follow me. We have a God who wants time with us. He wants time with you. He wants you to experience him. That is what a Sabbath is about. It's about moving beyond belief and obedience to this list of rules and stepping into an experience with him. It's about, like Peter, answering that call to feed his sheep, to take care of his sheep. But we have to take moments to step away, to step out of the chaos so that he can meet us there and we can hear what he has for us. If you're anything like me, Life is busy, and it is hard to find those moments. And we shouldn't have to wait for a crisis to hit a pause button, but here we are. Our kids are out of school for six weeks. Some people aren't able to go to work. And we may have fear about that. People are wondering about those kids who rely on those two meals a day they get in school. And what about those workers in the gig economy, right? But we have to allow God to meet us in this place. My prayer for all of us in this moment is that this time would give us this opportunity while we are forced out of our busy lives to meet with God. To use this as a Sabbath moment. To do contemplative reading. To journal about what's going on. Take some time to fast. And check in on your neighbors. How are they doing? Call that person you haven't called in a long time and you've been meaning to call. And if you have an excess of toilet paper, (laughs) please share. (laughs) Our neighbors need to know that they are more important than what we put in the toilet. But it's amazing what can happen in these Sabbath moments. It's amazing the life change that happens when we can take a moment to step out and hear God and understand just how much he loves us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you the God who created the universe sees us.
knows us and wants to have time with us. Lord, give us the courage to use this time wisely, to step out of ourselves and to be the church in every moment of every day. In your son's holy name, we pray these things. Amen.